Gospels, you can. Um, but it's Matthew chapter 6, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 4, and we're going to be talking uh, along those lines. But I'm continuing today with my series, our series on the Lord's Prayer, and uh, the title of the message today is very familiar, Lead Us Not Into Temptation, okay, but Deliver Us From Evil. Lead Us Not Into Temptation, But Deliver Us From Evil. Remember, Our Father, an intimate saying that brought us all together in one place. We know that we're worshiping Daddy God, okay? And the next one, hallowed be thy name. To hallow means to honor, to bring glory and dignity to something. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be the name of our God. And we talked about praising him and the different names. Jehovah combined with some of his character. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And we talked about the kingdom. And uh, uh, talked about that the kingdom is set up in the hearts of men. And uh, he is going to set up his kingdom here on this earth one of these days in a physical way. But right now, it's in your hearts in a spiritual way. Uh, in heaven, as it is in earth, we talked about heaven, the different questions about heaven. And uh, uh, in heaven, as it is in earth, give us this day our daily bread. We talked about being a giver. God is a giver. He gives us our daily bread. But we are also expected to be givers as well. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Um, help me out. For when I'm saying it this way, I forget. Forgive other debts as we forgive our debtors, okay? And we talked about forgiveness last week. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, okay? And we're going to talk about this. And I'm not going to end this series with next week's phrase, okay? Uh, because it's more about praise, and, and, and we know. We, we begin our prayer with praise. We end our prayers with praise, all right? But I'm going to spend a little while, a few weeks, on a series on resisting temptation, okay? When it comes to temptation, there's always more at stake than you think, all right? Your ability to withstand temptation has a lot to do with your confidence in God. You know, there are two things that I just mentioned that slide off the radar screen when it comes to temptation. When we're in the middle of temptation, if we could pause and bring these two realizations back together, we would begin to be empowered to overcome our temptation. These two things. There's more at stake with temptation than we think. And number two, my ability to withstand temptation has a lot to do with my confidence in God. All right. If this issue of temptation, in this issue of temptation, it's not just an issue of my self-control, okay? It's an issue of my confidence in God. You're thinking, okay, my temptation is food, or maybe something silly like that, okay? Or maybe it gets even deeper, all right? Um, Maybe your temptation is uh, uh, some sort of lust. Maybe it's, um, you know, pornography, what, whatever it is. But your temptation is something. And you may say, you know, I don't see how my temptation causes me to lose confidence in God. All right? And that's why we don't let this factor in to our life. It's because we just can't see it. 
That's why many of us can't seem to break free from our addictions and can't seem to remove ourselves from our environments of temptation because we just don't see how it applies to our situation. Um, let me tell you something about people who are not in the church, people who are not followers of God, that you may not know in how they view you, all right? Now, this doesn't apply to everyone. Some, some people that view Christians, they just look at us as crazy, okay? But I think the majority of people that see Christians view them this way. They don't know how you can be so good. When there are things they're faced with that cause them to fail, they see you in the same situation, and you seem to just walk right past the temptation. They don't know how you can do it. And they feel that they could never be able to avoid the things that you seem to stroll right past. And we know the reason, okay? We know the secret that they can't possibly know without a relationship with God. We know that it's not that we are so good. It's that we have learned along the way that we can factor in our confidence in God into our everyday life. Our confidence in God has impacted us to the degree in which temptation is not able to get a hold on our lives. We're not better than them. We just have something else going on inside of us that they don't have. In every single temptation that you face, there's more at stake than you think. Now we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And then verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now I don't have, you know if you have a device that you're reading on or the Bible, but the very next verse or the very next page that you're going to uh, scroll to is this. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or of the devil. All right, just a little review of what's just happened. Jesus has just been baptized, and then there's this supernatural occurrence. He has been taken under the water. He has been raised up, okay? A dove has descended upon him in the form of the Holy, or the form of the Holy Spirit's presence is what it represented. And then there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my son. It's the heavenly father speaking. He says, and I'm well pleased with what he's doing. Okay. And then we go to chapter 4. And interestingly enough, the first word in chapter 4 is then. Okay. And if that is the case, that it's the word then, that means the previous chapter's last words and happenings are connected or interconnected with the next chapter. This is the very next thing that happens. The Heavenly Father says to Jesus in verse 1 of chapter 4, I am very pleased with you. Now I want you to follow me. And Jesus says back to the Heavenly Father, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to go to the desert. And Jesus said, well, what are we going to do? Well, the devil's going to tempt you. And Jesus says, well, what did I do wrong? Okay, the Father says nothing. He says, well, I thought you were pleased with me. I am. Just follow me to the desert. Follow me to this remote place. The devil's going to tempt you. Did you realize that God did the same thing with Abraham? 
He did the same thing with Peter. He did the same thing with Moses, and he did the same thing with all of his disciples. And perhaps he'll do the same thing with you. That's the bad news. But I think he's done the same thing with me. The scripture says that Jesus didn't go alone. It says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to this remote place to be tempted. No wonder Jesus told his disciples a couple of days later, a few weeks later, lead us not into temptation has to be a part of your prayer. He says, I was there a couple weeks ago, and you really don't want to be there, so don't leave this out of your prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Now, you can't make this kind of stuff up. All right, if you're going to write this book on your own and it was not inspired by the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't put this part in there, okay? <laughs> especially after God has just told Jesus that he loves him. Yeah, I love you, and I'm really pleased with you. Now let's go to the desert and let's face Satan and let him tempt you. They'd probably look at that and probably go, you know, let's leave that out because I don't think people are going to be real comfortable with that. But God doesn't hide anything. There's a reason for it, all right? And then we go to verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. I kind of think that goes without saying. That's one part they probably could have left out, and we probably would have got it anyway, okay? But in the verses that follow, Jesus is tempted in three specific ways. And all three of these temptations have to do with his confidence in God. All three of these things are in the shadows of every single thing that you and I will be tempted with in our lives. These three huge temptations are what give traction to each temptation that's going to enter into your being. These are the big three. They fuel all other temptations. And is it any wonder this is where Satan focused? Number one, Jesus was tempted to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Number two, he was tempted to use God to his own ends. And number three, he was tempted to take a shortcut. Every one of the temptations that you're going to face falls into one of these three categories. And as we begin to peel back the onion and look deeper into what is tempting you, there are going to be some of those temptations that have had a hold on you that you're going to lose their, they're going to lose their grip on your life. You'll hear Christians say things like this, and maybe you've even said them before. Once I came to know the Lord, I lost interest in that. Or once I became a Christian, it was easier to say no to that. I get it. Once I became a Christian, I was able to break that addiction. It's a powerful statement. How many of you have seen The Wizard of Oz? How many of you have seen it ten times? All right. You remember when Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Lion and the Scarecrow all got to go in finally? and see the great and powerful, wonderful Wizard of Oz? You remember that part, right? 
They go back to this inner sanctum. They go there, and there's this big hologram or apparition or whatever you want to call it up there in front of them. And they're trembling and they're shaking as they go in to see the great and the powerful Oz. But little Toto, Dorothy's dog, runs over to this curtain and grabs a hold of the bottom of the curtain and pulls that curtain back. And when he pulls the curtain back, it exposes to all of the viewers this little man back there pushing buttons, moving levers and all of these things. And then he's confused and he says through the hologram up in the front of the building, this big head that's talking to him, he says, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, okay? He's just a little man. He wasn't much different than they were. And as we begin to look at temptation, we're going to see three little things that influence these temptations but have been made to seem a lot bigger than they are. And they're going to be exposed, and it's going to help you to see how temptations aren't as powerful as Satan has made them to seem in your life. Another bad news. Temptation will never go away. It may not be as strong and powerful in your life, but there are going to be other things that you're attacked in, other ways that Satan comes at you. Maybe he comes with the same thing, but he doesn't have as much influence. But it doesn't go away. It's a part of life. It's a part of living. But hopefully when you see that you have the power to overcome temptation, you'll have the motivation and the energy to just pause when you're tempted. When Jesus came to die for our sin, he didn't come and just hang on the cross to forgive us of our sin. He came, died on the cross, and shed his blood so that we would have the power of sin broken over us. Romans says that sin shall not be my master over the master over me, for I am under grace and not the law. In the middle of temptation, the, tempta the tendency is to only see what's going on in the center, right in front of me. When we're being tempted, that's all we see, right here. It's just happening to me. This is what I see. I see what's happening here, and that's all. Should I eat this dessert or should I not eat that dessert? Okay? Should I call him back or should I not call him back? Should I go in there or should I not? Should I drink that or should I not? Should I uh, uh, smoke that or should I not? This issue seems to be in temptation. What's right there before me? It's right there. This is the process of temptation. Okay, you're tempted. We give in to the temptation. We violate our conscience. We feel guilty. And the next day we get up and life is pretty much as usual, but we still feel that tinge of guilt. And if you're Catholic, you're going to go find the priest and go to confession. If you're a Protestant, you're going to say 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you're a Calvinist, you're going to think, well, I couldn't help it anyway. And you're going to move on. We think, well, time to go on with life. We still think that what happened is just that that's before me. Just that little issue 
just the dessert, just the person, just the call, just the action. But if we really want to make progress against temptation, we've got to realize that there's more at stake than what we see before us. We go back and read Matthew 4 and 3, the three temptations, or 4 and the three temptations of Jesus. We see that there was a lot more at stake than just what was before Jesus. You know what was at stake when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? It wasn't just what was before him. It wasn't just about stones turning to bread. It wasn't just about throwing himself off the temple. It wasn't just getting the blessing of Satan, okay, if he laid down. It, that was the temptation that was before him, but that wasn't all of it. This is what was at stake. Humanity was at stake. You and I were at stake. It was Jesus' opportunity to remain the sinless son of God so that he could pay the price for our sins. If he would have failed there in the desert, okay, he would not have been qualified to even purchase the price for his own sin if he had he sinned, much less our own. He would have lost that opportunity. The issue wasn't should or shouldn't I turn this stone to bread. It was a lot bigger than that. It was more than a decision whether or, or not to jump off the peak of the temple. There was more to it than just bowing down before Satan and worshiping him. Every time you're tempted, there's more at stake than what you see. These are the things that are at stake. Number one, your future. When you're tempted, it's just not right here. When you're tempted, your future is at stake. Number two, when you're tempted, there's somebody else's future at stake. And number three, the next thing that is at stake is your faith. Your future is at stake. This is something that's very easy to see in somebody else. Well, that thing is going to cause them to do this and this and this. And we can see it in somebody else, but it's very difficult to see that when we're looking in the mirror. We don't see how it affects us in the mirror or how it could affect our future in the mirror. This is what causes parents a lot of times to overreact when they see their children falling prey to temptation. Well, this is going to cause A, B, C, and D. I'm never going to have grandchildren. My child is going to go to prison. All of these things, okay? The kid is thinking is, all I did was this, because he can't see it, but everybody else can. It's easy to see others how the future is at stake when they yield to temptation. Remember in Star Wars, the movie? I'm, I got a, on a movie thing today for some reason. I saw Star Wars, and that was in 1977, July of 1977, actually when I saw it. And then the Empire Strikes Back comes out just before Christmas in 1980. And in that movie, Darth Vader has got Luke Skywalker cornered, okay? And I can tell I don't have a lot of Star Wars fans in here. He's got Luke Skywalker cornered. And he says to Luke, he goes, the Emperor knows. This is a poor imitation. The Emperor knows. 
that you're trying to kill him and you're going to be successful. But we must do this together. It's the only way. And we're sitting on our seats at the edge of the seats and we're shouting inside of ourselves, Don't do it, Luke! Don't do it, Luke! There's another way! He can't see it. <laughs> we don't know what the other way is, but we just know that there's another way. Okay? I can see that in your life as you deal with temptation, I can see that there's another way. But you can't see it. You, but you can see as I wrestle with temptation, that there's another way. For some reason, it's difficult to see other ourselves and temptation, how it affects our future. And every time we yield to temptation to some degree, our future is at stake. Number two, and the future of those you love is at stake. Everybody under your authority has the ability to suffer because of your inability to deal with temptation. If your husband, if you're a husband, what I'm trying to say, your wife and your kids will suffer because of your failure to deal with temptation. If your wife, your husband, and your kids will suffer. If you're an employer, your employees will suffer. And to some degree, your children, spouse, and employees are at stake each time you don't correctly deal with temptation. Some of you have come from broken homes, and your family was broken up maybe because dad couldn't resist the temptation to drink. Or maybe your family was broken up because mom couldn't resist the temptation to run around. Your entire children, childhood was impacted because someone thought this was just about me, just about this right here. This is just my little habit. This is just my little deal. This is just my little one-time decision. Not only was their life impacted, but yours was too. For some reason, in the midst of temptation, it's all about me. It's about my decision. It's nothing to do with the future. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's all about me and my little deal. And number three, your faith's at stake. Every time that you sin or make a mistake, by the way, there's a difference between making a mistake and sin. Okay? When you make an error in arithmetic on your checkbook balance, that's a mistake, okay? When you have an extramarital affair, it's not a mistake, okay? You can't say, oh, I accidentally had an affair, and it was a big mistake. Uh-uh, it's a sin, okay? Big difference. Now, it's you doing it, you probably call it a mistake. If other people are watching you and seeing it, it's a sin. <laughs> but it's always a sin in court. You can't say I didn't mean to do that. But every time we sin, we damage our relationship with God. Okay, We damage our accountability to God and we damage our connection to God. Every time we sin, there's a little bit of erosion in our confidence in God. A little bit of a break each time. Those who drift away from God and the church don't drift away because of theological reasons. You're not going to sit in here today and gradually think, you know, I don't really agree with the theology of the church and 
You know, this uh, philosophy teacher of mine once said, and I'm starting to kind of agree with him. No, that's not how it happens, okay? That's not how people make their break from the church. Here's how they do it. You violated your conscience once, and you asked God for forgiveness. You did it again, and you asked for God's forgiveness. You sinned once again, and you asked forgiveness. You did it again and again and again and again, and you continue to ask for forgiveness. Over and over, you repeated the process, and finally you said, what's the use? That's how people that aren't in the church anymore fell away from the church. It's not philosophy. It's not theology. It's nothing more than violating their conscience time after time after time and refusing to deal with the temptation that continued to come into their life. They violated their conscience through a habit or a relationship or whatever, but it got to the point that said, well, it just doesn't even matter. Why am I feeling guilty all the time? This just really isn't a matter in my life. What happened is you behaved yourself away from God. You behaved yourself away from a conscience that was tied to God. You behaved yourself out of a relationship with God. You didn't think your way away. You behaved your way away. Sin breaks confidence with God. It breaks your awareness that there is a God. Sin breaks your contact with God. And every time that we sin, a little of our confidence is broken with God. Every time you fall to temptation, what's at stake is your confidence in God's love for you, your confidence in God's presence in your life, your confidence in God's care for you. You're just a series of failures away from saying, you know, I don't know what it really matters anymore. I don't know if I even really believe that anymore. I don't know if that stuff really works for me anymore. And you will think that you have intellectualized yourself away from God. No, 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 no. You just fell to temptation so many times that you got so disconnected and got so far away from God that you just don't sense His presence anymore. At the heart of temptation is the question, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted to take care of me? Can God be trusted to meet my needs? Can God be trusted? Every time you fail to resist temptation, you're saying, God can't take care of me. God can't meet my needs. God can't be trusted. You're saying, God's going to take my little scoop of ice cream. He's going to take my only scoop of ice cream and he's going to take it away from me and he's going to mock me by saying, you should have eaten your ice cream while you could. So we keep our little bottle of ice cream that we've been tempted with and we eat it. And we keep doing it. And we keep doing it. We just can't seem to trust God. Here's a little homework for you. I want you to start practicing saying this. Temptation comes to all of us. This is what I want you to say. Temptation, I don't believe in talking to Satan too much. So just say, temptation, you will not have my future. You will not have my family. And you will not have my faith. Temptation, when it comes, you will not steal my future. You will not steal my family. And you will not steal my faith. 
When that temptation comes, temptation, you will not take my future, you will not take my family, and you will not take my faith. Very easy thing to do. Temptation comes, you can't steal it, my future. You can't steal my family, and you can't steal my faith. If you can just pause long enough when it comes at you to tell lies, you can beat it. Would you stand with me?